Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is sponsored by the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast. Prepare yourself for a slew of dark, twisted tales of terror. The Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast specialises in horror, thrillers, suspense, serial killers, escaped mental patients, things that go bump in the night, ghosts, spirits, zombies, vampires, blood, guts, maniacs, monsters, murder and mayhem. Listen if you dare. You can listen to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube. Check out more at maniacontheloose.com. Today's episode is The Nun in the Woods, written by Chris Lilienthal and narrated by Jasmine Arch. I still remember that night as if it happened last week, though it's been nearly three decades now. I was living in Trinity Creek in a rancher with a great view. I loved that place. We used to hang out on the back deck on weekend nights, drinking shitty beer and eating pizza rolls and talking about whatever the hell 20-somethings talked about back then. That night started off like so many others. We started out on the back deck playing poker, all five of us laughing and having a good time. Then Devin took out a spiral notebook from his rucksack, threw it down on the table, and invited us to go ahead and page through it. I was the first to pick it up. Each page was crammed with tiny black lettering, symbols, and strange sketches. What's this? I asked. Devin smiled proudly. That's over 50 pages of nun sightings I've documented up there in the woods by the abbey. 
Devin had been talking a lot about the nuns in the woods ever since he got the idea in his head that he wanted to write a scary book. The only way to do that, he reasoned, was to go scare himself and take plenty of notes. The problem was, Devin didn't frighten easily. So he had to go back night after night into those woods near the long shuttered abbey of the resurrection. And that's when he started seeing the nuns. Todd, grinning ear to ear, lifted the notebook up close to his face. Check this out, guys, he said with a shift to his spookiest baritone. The weeping novice of midsummer after a rainstorm. Tall, gaunt and drenched, she wanders amongst a cluster of silver maples, all the while burying her face in bony hands and weeping softly to herself. Spine-chilling, Nancy said dramatically. Great fodder for the novel, I added. Samantha, who was reclining with her feet up in a chaise lounge, straightened up as she looked from me to Nancy to Devon. Wait a minute, Devon, she said. You're not saying you really see creepy nuns in the woods out there? Sure I do, Devon said. That's the whole point of the journal. I thought you were just going out on these crazy midnight jaunts for inspiration for your book. Yeah, but that doesn't mean there aren't a few lost souls who wandered a little too far from the Abbey's churchyard and never found their way back. Samantha was fairly new to our circle of friends, so she didn't have the benefit of growing up with Devin the way the rest of us had. Devin isn't like you and me, Sam, I said. He's a bit more in tune to otherworldly phenomena. Always has been since we were little. He sees things that I sure don't. You could see things too, Kel, if you'd only look, Devin said. Well, I said, why don't we go look? Seriously, Todd moaned. We've been begging you for weeks now. Devon set his beer aside and gave us a stupid grin. All right, he said after a pause. Let's go look. We were ecstatic. Well, most of us were. Samantha was unsure she wanted to go traipsing through the woods close to midnight in search of dead nuns. It didn't sound like her idea of a good time, but we told her it would be a story she'd look back on someday and laugh about. Or cry, Devon said. The harvest moon reflected off Trinity Creek as we hiked in the direction of the abbey. We probably could have gotten there a lot faster by car, but none of us were in any shape to drive. So we bundled up and set off on foot, picking up the creek path at the foot of my backyard. Devin led the way, followed by Todd and Nancy, who held hands and tried to scare each other whenever the moon dipped behind a smoky cloud. Samantha and I strolled behind them, chatting about the Abbey of the Resurrection and the nuns in the woods. So, you're familiar with what happened up here, I said. My grandmother grew up in Martin's Crossing, Samantha said. She told me about the nun that went missing in the woods back in the 20s. Sister Anthony. Right. Named after the patron saint of lost things. How apropos. (laughs) So, Sister Anthony goes missing in the woods and she's never found. That's the story? Partly. Her body's never found. She's just gone. But in the years after, every time a nun at the abbey dies and her body's buried up in the churchyard... Somebody claims to see a thin figure lurking amongst the trees in the nearby woods. That's creepy. 
Yeah, but it gets worse. The nuns start noticing something is coming round in the night and disturbing the graves, digging into them and stuff. It could be an animal, but it seems to happen every time a nun dies, so it doesn't take long for the legend to take shape. Sister Anthony, lost to the forest, comes back every time a nun is laid to rest to reclaim her for the land. She exhumes the body, reanimates it in some way, and there you have it. The nuns in the woods. We walked in silence for a while, the crunch of dead leaves under our feet the only sound. Do you really believe Devon has seen them out there? Samantha asked. The nuns? Not a doubt in the world. Where the creek and hiking path veered off to the right, we went up a grassy hill and into the woods. Spidering branches overhead permitted only ribbons of yellow moonlight to guide our way. We walked for a good ten minutes through the trees in the dark before coming upon a moonlit clearing. Devin stopped abruptly, Todd and Nancy close behind, snickering softly over their latest playful scare. Devin elbowed Todd sharply in the ribs. I came up closer, all of us sort of hunkering behind a thick oak. There in the centre of the clearing stood the lanky silhouette of a woman. I blinked away tears from my wind-stung eyes to be sure I wasn't just imagining it or seeing something else. The spindly limbs of a long-dead tree, maybe. But there was no mistaking what it was. It was a woman, dressed entirely in black and wearing a veil. It was a nun. Devin crouched down behind the tree, fumbling quietly for his pen with one hand while opening the spiral notebook on his bent knee. I couldn't move or take my eyes off her. From the tip of her nose to her ragged veil and habit, she was a blurry shadow of a thing that somehow seemed darker than the woods that surrounded her. I'd always believed the stories, and I'd always trusted in Devin, but this was something altogether different. This fuzzy creature in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night, just standing out there, staring up at the moon. I could have stood there for hours, just looking at her as questions filled up my mind. But Samantha was growing uneasy behind me. She poked at my back, tugged gently at my sweatshirt. She even stomped her foot impatiently when I didn't respond. Finally, she leaned in close to my ear and whispered, Let's go, Kel. This is too fucked up for me. Another nun materialized out of the darkness, followed by a third. The three huddled, hands folded and heads bowed. It was time for evening vespers. The words of their muffled prayer at first melted together into a blur like the shadowy nuns themselves. Gradually, their voices mingled and fused into a hum of sorts. It was intoxicating, ethereal, celestial. It was what I might imagine the rings of Saturn sound like when they sing. But it changed after a while, becoming slightly discordant. I felt disoriented, 
nauseous even. I thought I might lose my footing. I had to channel every ounce of strength I had to stay upright. The spell was broken by the thud of Samantha's body hitting the ground behind me. When I turned round, she was holding herself up weakly by her arms, long enough for me to see rivulets of black blood dripping from both ears. She was too stunned to scream. All at once, the nun's chanting prayer stopped, and Samantha fully collapsed. I ran to her side, shouting, Devin! When I looked up, I saw both Todd and Nancy lying in pools of their own blood and mud, and Devin standing between them, staring at me with his mouth open. What happened? he asked. Jesus, I said, rising and rushing to Nancy's side. Her pulse is weak. Those were the days before cell phones, and our closest refuge was the Abbey, long shuddered by that point, about a quarter mile to the west. There might be a caretaker there, I thought, or a phone, but it was Devin who suggested the obvious. The nuns, he said. What? The nuns can help. Have you lost your mind? We can't carry all three of them back, Carol. And how long will it take paramedics to get out here? The nuns are what did this. Not to us. Look, I brought you all out here tonight to hear their spooky chanting. I couldn't explain it. Not with words. I didn't know this could happen. I... I didn't know. A branch snapped behind me, and a skeletal finger tapped my shoulder. The wind picked up round us as I turned and met the cold gaze of a hunched-over creature that had been dead for a very long time. Her eyes were blood-rimmed, the skin of her face grey and necrotic around her mouldering veil. The smell of sludge and rot wafted from her toothless mouth, but none of that mattered, because her touch seemed to take me out of the forest altogether. Out of the world? To the rings of Saturn, maybe? There was a flash of light much too bright. It was hot, then cold, then day, then night. It rained in buckets, then it was dry, while the constellations flew through the sky. There were signs of life and omens of death. She whispered my name under her breath. When I came to... My whole head was pounding and Devin was shrieking. I stood up too quickly and grabbed hold of a tree stump to balance myself. There was a stone altar now in the clearing and Devin was stripped down and strapped to it. He thrashed against the restraints while dozens of nuns rushed about preparing for some kind of ritual. One of them had a sword, another a chalice. Devin wailed. I approached the altar and he twisted his neck to look at me. How could you, Kelly Anderson? He snarled. We've been friends since we were toddlers. I'm sorry, I said hoarsely before turning my back on him and walking away, back the way we had come into these woods. His anguished scream followed me, echoing through the night and in my head ever since. Samantha was the first to rejoin me. 
I was walking alone and then she was there with me. Todd emerged from behind a tree and by the time we reached the edge of the woods, Nancy was with us too. On the grassy hill down to the creek, Samantha grabbed my shoulder and called to the others. Stop! Todd and Nancy turned toward us. What happened? she asked. Why can't I remember anything? And where's Devin? You see, the nuns lived by a code of sorts and had for many years. They roamed the woods together, studied and prayed and chanted and sang. Sister Anthony was their mother superior, guiding them in the ways of the forest, as the forest had taught her. But just as a forest decays, so too do the reanimated bodies of dead nuns. The only way for them to be restored and continue their order was to engage in the ritual, and every good ritual needs an offering. Devon was a particularly special offering. Being in tune to otherworldly matters was of great value to Sister Anthony. Devon was worth 30 Samanthas, 40 Nancys, and 50 Todds combined. So we came to terms, Sister Anthony and I. But I couldn't tell Samantha any of that. So instead, I just said, Shit, where is Devon? What else could I have done? Three for the price of one is a hell of a good deal. If he'd just been killed, maybe I wouldn't still think about it so much. But I know better. Nothing dies in that forest. The souls lost there belong neither to heaven nor hell. They belong to her. I suppose Devin got his scary book in the end. I've written it all down now in his spiral notebook. It's the least I could do. He deserved that much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Nun in the Woods was written by Chris Lilienthal, narrated by Jasmine Arch, edited by Carl Hughes of Media by Uncorps and Sam Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spoon of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington for his catchy content show tunes he bellows out from the social media Broadway production. Chris Lilienthal is a fiction writer whose work has been published in anthologies from Dragon Soul Press, Eerie River Publishing and Unsettling Reads. He lives with his wife, two sons and two dogs. You can learn more about him at chrislwrites.com. Jasmine Arch is a writer, poet, narrator, podcaster and all-round chaos for brains. She lives in a nook of Belgian countryside with two horses, four dogs and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's writing. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in The Other Stories, NewMyths.com and Hybrid Fiction, among others. Find out more about her and her work at JasmineArch.com. If you'd like to start writing short stories, but you've never been sure how to, or perhaps you've started writing your own short stories, but you've never been able to finish any, then consider joining our next Getting Started Writing Short Horror Stories mini-course. It's a seven-day course and it's a workshop, We'll take you through the entire process of coming up with ideas, writing the first draft, writing the second draft, editing, and getting it ready for submission or publication. But don't take our word for it. Here we have a testimonial from S.M. Henley, 
The result of this course wasn't just a short story that I'm proud of, but it has given me the confidence to move forward with other horror projects that I've kept putting on the back burner until I was, in quotation marks, ready. So join up today, there's limited seats available over on theotherstories.net forward slash minicourse. Once again, that's www.theotherstories.net forward slash minicourse. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.